Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hello out there in Graceland. I'm Cap with Joel, Growing in Grace once again on the air, our uh, weekly podcast. Thanks for joining us and for sharing with a friend. Mr. Joel, good to be with you. Good to be with you too. And is Elvis here too? <laughs> Graceland. In Graceland? Elvis. What a great name. <laughs> great name. Yeah, I always like that name. Elvis Costello. I love Elvis Costello. <laughs> Get out of here. He was named, he named himself that. I, I heard something about Elvis Costello, the British guy. Uh, he wanted something cool, and so he named himself after Elvis. <laughs> he had the gall to do that, and uh, it actually worked for him. <laughs> he had yeah, quite and, a good And there career. may even be a connection between Abbott and Costello, but Abbott. We'll, we'll figure that out next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll have to figure that out on, on our free time. Hey, it's always free time. We're in Christ. <laughs> All the time. Free time. All the time. You know, sometimes I think uh, in, in my old days of Christianity, Joel, I, I can remember people telling me that uh, you should dress up when you go to church because uh, you should just give God your best. your best. So when you go to church, you give God your best, you, you dress up. And I just always thought that was one of the silliest things I'd ever heard. <laughs> Even back then, I thought it was silly. Yeah, because the other six days and uh, 22 hours, you don't need to give God your best. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's, it is kind of silly, just the whole idea of having to give God you know, our best. Well, yeah, and I mean, the, the implication there is God's not hanging out where I work and where I live at my house. He's just over there in that church building down the road there. Yep, and that's, I think, a lot of people, whether they consciously believe that or not or, or say they believe that or not, it's church is the, the holy place. That's the place where we need to be quiet. We can't run around and have fun, and that's the holy place. We're standing on holy ground where we're, when we're in that building, not you know realizing that wherever we go, wherever we are, whoever we're with, when you know with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are the church. That's who we are. We are holy people. There's no holy place that we go to. Not. Uh, don't don't hear us wrong here. We're not saying that uh, you know we're not against the whole idea of going to church if if that's what a person does. But we're just saying that we are holy. We're the body of Christ. We are the temple of God, and we're holy as we you know just as the people that we are. Yeah, I believe it was Paul who said that that God no longer dwells. Maybe never did really. Uh, I suppose you could make the case under the uh, old covenant with the temple, but God does not dwell in a place made by human hands and. Uh, this is all good news for us, and as we focus on this wonderful grace, as we do every week here uh, on our podcast and hopefully every day in, in your life, one thing that we're going to discuss on today's program, I think, is the power that grace has given us. Joel, I, I think the uh, discussion came up recently where some would ask, and maybe some think this way, consciously or not, uh, that grace somehow now, and even though we've somehow been delivered from the law, that uh, because of what Christ did and provided us with this grace, that it now somehow enables us to live the law, keep the law. But it's it's by the grace of God that we now keep the law. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and that is a common thought of the church that I know, and and I 
have thought that in the past myself, thinking, well, it's the Ten Commandments, it's in the Bible, and uh, pick up the Bible and open it up, and we're supposed to do what it says. And so now as Christians, wow, we've got this wonderful spirit of Christ in us, and, and he enables us to keep the law. So I, I definitely understand that sentiment. But then when I look actually look at the scriptures and when I realize what actually took place when we believed in Christ, that Christ himself did indeed fulfill the law, he, fil- he fulfilled the law and then went upon the cross and became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And up there on the cross, Colossians 2 says that the law was nailed there. And so uh, we've been risen again in these resurrected lives apart from the law, but fully with Christ. Our relationship with God isn't based upon the law, but is based upon the life of Christ in us. And so I think let's, you know, let's talk about that and hopefully help people to understand, let's call it the non-relationship, the relationship that we don't have with the law. Yeah, and for our new listeners out there, because I want to I make a point about something you just said there out of Colossians, but Joel, I want your mind, and I know this shouldn't be too hard for you, <laughs> I want your mind to go blank. I just I just want you to go limp for a minute, and and then I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a word, and I want you to respond with the word, whatever comes to your mind. All right? Okay. Are you with me? Which way did it go? <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna say a word. You respond with what comes to your mind. Okay. If I were to say law, what would you say? I'm drawing you a took blank. Too long. You, you took too long. <laughs> oh, the Ten Commandments. Okay. When I say commandments. Uh, rules. Okay. I'm, the point, you know, when, when we say law, there are probably a lot of people listening right now who are going to think different things. Right. And frankly, there's a lot of things you could think about when you consider that there were really, by best count, over 600 laws for the Jews to follow. It wasn't just the Ten Commandments. There were dietary laws. There were sacrificial laws. There were the moral laws, including those commandments written on stone. So we're talking about all of those. You know, in, the, in, the, in, in modern church world history uh, and in religiosity, sometimes we conveniently choose the ones we think we're supposed to follow under this new covenant. I mean, Joel, I mean, let's be honest with each other. Even when we say the Ten Commandments, the most you're going to get out of most Christians today are, are, are nine. I, I don't even know why we call them the Ten Commandments, because I don't really know anybody who seriously follows the Sabbath law to mm-hmm. the letter on mm-hmm. Saturdays. Yeah, I think a lot of—there are some people who think that they do, but when you—and and I've talked to people about this, and when you get down to it, and you actually read the commandment from the book of Exodus or the book of Deuteronomy, the two places where the law of Moses was given, and you actually read that to them, they cannot say that they actually keep it. And so it, it really does become the big nine. And even then, <laughs> if, if <laughs> most people don't even know what the, uh, what the other nine are. They can say, oh, let's see, no, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. Uh, the, the. And, you know, my... They might be able to name them all off if they memorize them in Sunday school or something, but most people probably don't even really know what they are, never mind not being able to keep them. Well, they're, they're burdensome. I mean, just the one we just mentioned, that the Sabbath law, very burdensome stuff, and, and it's referred to quite a few times in, 
in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John with the, the Jesus and the Pharisees and so forth. So, uh, but the point is, there's tons of stuff that you could be thinking about when it comes to the law. And I know a lot of churches are teaching that you should keep the commandments, you should uh, follow the moral code, but they don't do animal sacrifices. Well, now right. why would that be? <laughs> why would you not be doing animal sacrifices in the church today if you're teaching people to keep the law? This is an important point. Or, or you know, what, what kind of uh, diet are, are you living by? Is, is it really uh, up, to, uh, up to code under, under the law? It probably is not. So why is it, Joel, that you, we can uh, somehow diminish the importance of animal sacrifices and dietary laws and somehow lift up the, the moral code? Because in Galatians, without turning there and spending a lot of time on it, but in Galatians, Paul specifically pointed out the Ten Commandments, those commandments, the, the, the moral law. He called them bondage. Mm -hmm. And if they are bondage, so is the rest of the law. And so when we say law, I just wanted to clarify to a lot of people who are just finding our podcast, uh, we're talking about all of these things. The law is a burdensome thing. We as Christians were not meant to live by it. You mentioned Colossians chapter 2, that God, here's what it says, God has has wiped out or blotted out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. It was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, why would I want to believe that somehow grace enables me to live the law when Paul tells us that it was against us, it was contrary to us, and in other places, Paul called it the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. Now, why would I want to live out the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation? The law in and of itself isn't evil, but it was against us. It's contrary to us. And that's why Paul said in numerous places in his writings in the New Testament that we are now freed from the law, all of it, and that we are dead to the law. Now, why would I want to try to hook up back into relationship with something that I'm dead to and freed from? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. You know, if if we came to Christ by grace through faith, apart from the law, not to be joined back together with the law again, because as you mentioned there, Cap, the reason the law was given, a lot of people don't understand this. It's right there in the Bible. It's right there in Paul's letters, in Galatians, in Colossians, in Ephesians, in all these places. It's right there, but somehow it's hard perhaps to believe this, but Paul mentioned that these are the reasons that the law was given. It was given for to produce death and condemnation, to produce guilt, and it was put there for bondage. That is what the Bible says about the reason the law was given. It wasn't given as a means for people to look at it and say, hmm, I'm going to try to live this way. Now, for a lot of years, people did think that that's what it was for, but in the end, what people came to realize, or what is hopefully realized by people, is that God gave that law so that people would realize they can't measure up, that he has a standard of righteousness, he has a standard of perfection that no human being can possibly live up to. And so the reason that a person needs to come to Christ apart from the law is because the law is holy and just and good but human beings in and of themselves are not. And so what they need to do is to get out of that ministry of death 
and condemnation, to get away from that guilt and bondage that came through the law. And the way to do that is to die to the law and to be married instead or joined together with Christ. Paul talks about it as a marriage, and he talks about it as being joined together with Christ. We've got to be joined together with Christ, and the only way to do that is to have the law out of the picture. Because again, I just want to make this point really clear. The Bible says that the law was given for death, for condemnation, for guilt, for bondage. That's all it could do. That's all that the law could do. And it was God made it that way. He, he set it up that way to produce all those things in the world so that people could come to Christ freely by grace through faith. Yeah, and uh, in Timothy, you know, Paul said the law is not made for a righteous person. And, of course, Paul referred to believers as righteous people. It's not based on what we do to establish our own righteousness. It's God's righteousness in us now by belief, through faith, through his finished work. But the law was not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless people. And the other thing that we talked about before the show, Joel, is that the law really was never given to Gentiles in the first place. It was given to the Jews. We as Gentiles, that would be you and me and probably most people listening right now, we were never really given the law to begin with. Why would we want to jump into something that we've been freed from anyway? Yeah, and I I want to touch more on that. We're out of time for this one, but maybe in the next program we can uh, just talk about that a little bit more. And I know we've got more thoughts here on the law, the purpose of the law, and how it is that we live our lives in Christ if indeed we don't live by the law. So more on all of that next week and perhaps in the coming weeks here too on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.